What can you learn from how the fictional family on a popular television show responded to a business crisis? I'm Edward Siegel, author of the best-selling and award-winning book, Crisis Ahead, 101 Ways to Prepare for and Bounce Back from Disasters, Scandals, and Other Emergencies. I'm also a Leadership Strategy Senior Contributor for Forbes.com. My guest today is Christine Haas, the CEO of Haas Media and a former award-winning journalist. In this episode, she discusses what government executives and business leaders can learn from how members of the fictional Roy family on HBO's Succession responded to crisis situations. Welcome to Crisis Ahead, Christine. I'm really glad you could be with me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I look forward to seeing this and also hopefully contributing in the future to some of your articles. I always enjoy it. Great article, by the way, that you had in Forbes. Thank you. Uh, Tell me a little bit about your background and experience. Well, I, my goodness, um, where do I begin? No, I'm just kidding. I I really, first and foremost, just want to say thank you for having me here today. And my background is I'm a former journalist. Um, I spent over 15 years working my way through media markets like Austin, Minneapolis, San Diego, Houston. Um, We moved around quite a bit as an anchor and investigative reporter. And I'm fortunate to say that I won numerous Emmy Awards and Edward R. Murrow Awards for my investigations and was even able to contribute to congressional testimony with one of my investigations. So I had a solid career in journalism. Um, Seven years ago, I stepped away and left the media and started my own PR company. And we use media placement now to help our companies and brands stand out from their competitors and hopefully recruit new clients from that. And a large part of my work also includes media training and crisis management. Um, Often, as we're discussing today, many companies are unprepared, and then we're brought in at the last minute to try to uh, right the ship, so to speak. So what exactly in your in your mind is a PR or image crisis? Um, in my opinion, a PR and image cri- crisis happens when a person or a brand or an organization faces a big problem that damages their reputation and how people see them ultimately. Southwest Airlines, we recently saw the problems with that. That's a great example. We see it play out, unfortunately, all the time. It's a situation that, of course, a company or a person is right in the middle of massive media attention, and essentially all eyes are on them, questions are being asked, and negative circumstances are poised to cause the brand or the individual to to have some serious damage. Succession is the very popular show on HBO that recently came to an end after four seasons. How did fans of the show see a crisis unfold throughout the series? Yeah, through the entire series, we saw it. And I thought that the storytelling overall in the series, I was hooked. I mean, I think it was an excellent storyline. But when it comes to comms, we see a lot of issues. Um, And many people saw it, you know, kind of playing out ultimately through all the seasons. But I think the theme of it is that threats never work or hiding never works or lying never works. And that's what took the family down. We watched that from time and time again. You remember in I think it was episode six, um, a magazine writer approached the leaders of that media company, Waystar, and they had a sexual harassment complaint and abuse within the company, and they were going to go to, to, you know, live with it. And they knew, the family knew that that story could stop Waystar's pending acquisition that was there. And instead of handling it properly, they threatened the publication with a lawsuit 
if it ran the story and then still tried to stall the reporter from there. And that didn't work. <laughs> the media outlet ultimately, of course, responded by moving up the story's timeline, ruining Waystar's acquisition. And it was only after that horrific story ran that the Roys, the family running, of course, Waystar, um, considered a legitimate PR strategy. But their instincts were not dissimilar to what we see with real corporate leaders all the time. Trying to quash a story seldom works, though. And people think, oh, we can get past this. This won't happen. Or we'll minimize it. Or who cares? Nobody reads that publication. Well, in this day and age of social media, once one publication picks it up, even if it was a smaller independent publication, a hot family, a hot company, a hot brand that's going to get shared. And all of a sudden now all eyes are on you. So it is so important. And then we saw, you know, succession, of course, delving into crisis management issues, always highlighting internal and external comms within the show, which is what I loved. Um, Shiv, the daughter, um, who we all probably love to hate or maybe hated to love, <laughs> she struggled to motivate employees with that failed speech and then Logan successfully appealed to a news channel there, and then he got some runway when he needed it to. But in my opinion, the series overall sheds light on the importance of internal communication, PR, and roles of comps. You know, the Chief Carolina there uh, shaping the external narrative. However, where they really fell short, you mentioned there in portraying some of the certain PR aspects the absence of that pre-written crisis response plan for the CEO's potential death. And then, of course, you know, there was the betrayal of harassment faced by the comms professionals, as we mentioned, often women in the field. That's certainly a subject that we can all relate to and see play out in other organizations all the time. And while this, the series had some, you know, inconsistencies watching it, it does offer quite a valuable representation, in my opinion, of the PR profession and the significance in corporate settings of how crucial it is to have a plan. And even if you don't have a plan, hiring the right people to attack the issue right away. Well, you're right. It didn't seem as if the Roy family uh, ever had a crisis management plan to deal with the various business-related challenges and crisis situations they faced. So in the real world, how important is it for federal agencies, companies, and organizations to have such a plan in place? Oh, it's critical. It's absolutely critical. Um, but unfortunately, many times, you know, in our industry, we get called in to salvage what, you know, can be left of the reputation after it's already hit. But it's really about how fast you can recover. But if you don't have a plan in place, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when something's going to happen. Especially, you know, somebody might not think it's an issue, but it could come from anywhere. It could come from an unhappy customer and something goes viral. It may not even be something that's really deficient within the organization. But if you don't have a plan in place to be monitoring social media or really advancing the education for your employees about how to present uh, a question, you know, anything on social media, if you're listing your company as your employer, that attaches that employee to the employment or the company or the brand. And in these days um, with, you know, politics being so heated, somebody can get into a, you know, a war online. And then all of a sudden you are tainting the brand or the company just by somebody's, you know, response to some angry, you know, political rant. And so you always have to be mindful of that. And most people don't realize 
um, you know, until it's too late, just how easy it is for something like that to happen. So what we do often is we, you know, have a systematic training, we have online courses and that type of thing that we can produce for um, companies to provide their employees under their own guidance, of course, as to, you know, what their policies might be. Each company has a different policy, um, but we can advise them on that. But it really starts that small to make sure that you are kind of backtracking exactly how these things can happen. Because it's not always, you know, the big uh, blow up that somebody might fear that causes the most damage. How often do you think companies should update their plans if they have them? And how should they practice their plans and test them to make sure they'll work when they're needed? Yeah, very good question. I would say at least once a year or as your organization is evolving. I mean, we see organizations, I've gone into some organizations that were tech companies, for example, and they maybe their run rate is at five or 10 million and all of a sudden now they're scaling and they're at 70 or 80 million and now they've got other offices elsewhere. So you might say, okay, well, um, you know, that's just growth, but we had a plan in place two years ago. Well, that plan was under a completely different narrative. The company was a different size. The stretch or the concerns or the pain points of that company or the leaders, totally different place. Now with artificial intelligence, which is something I'm very immersed in and love so much as well to keep up, it's almost a full-time job just as a business owner myself. And I really think that there are so many concerns when it comes to protecting your own data, your platforms for anything that could be cybersecurity related. Deep fakes um, are such a big issue now. So I really think it's really important for somebody to reach out to maybe their corporate attorney or bring in an attorney um, as a consultant to look at the vulnerabilities within their organization, because right now everything is changing and it's going to continue to. But now there are new tools for the bad guys or the bad actors out there to do damage. And that in itself is very dangerous to a company or a brand or an entity anywhere. Government executives and uh, corporate leaders, of course, can learn from the mistakes of others and hopefully not repeat those mistakes. What do you think are the most common mistakes federal agencies and private companies make when a crisis strikes? They hide, which is a terrible thing to do because in public perception, as I mentioned, no comment is suggesting guilt. And maybe they're like, oh, well, we don't know what to say or we've got to you know, investigate everything before we come forward. Nope. Like I said earlier, you've got to go out there and say a whole lot of nothing, but you got to say, I'm on it. You know, you don't have to give details. You don't have to say anything more than I'm here. We recognize the problem. We want our clients, our customers, our followers, whomever it might be, our constituents to know that we're looking into this and we're going to come back and report to you. You bring so much trust when you do that as a leader or as a brand, because people know, well, you know what? Something happened. Wonder what happened. But at least he showed up instead of hiding. Another big mistake is lying. You know, um, you can't just go out there and say, nope, it's not true. Or, you know, that didn't happen at all. Um, we've seen that happen ha far too often as well. And then there's so much damage that can be done from that. Number one, you lied. Number two, people find out eventually that you lied. And number three, legal implications, you know, and so you've got to protect your brand, your company. I mean, it, we've just seen it in so many ways. Remember when the uh, incident happened at the concert in Houston, where there was the death of the concert and the Kardashians and everybody, um, the, the whole family, they didn't really make a statement for a while. And people were wondering, 
what's going on? You know, why, why aren't you talking about this? There was a death and instantly people started online talking about, well, maybe they knew about it. And then there was video that came out, you know, it's just, it's a nightmare. If you don't just immediately say we, in that case, it's a tragic loss. We are so sorry that that happened. And we want you to know that we're also, you know, compassionate to the families who were involved and we take this seriously. That would have done a so much stronger uh, statement for their brand as well. It never seemed, though, watching Succession, that uh, anyone in the Roy family ever apologized to anybody for anything they did. So yeah. do you think that was a mistake for them to do, even though it was a fictional situation? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it's a really good representation of that villain character, right? We want to see um, people be human, and they couldn't. It was the ego um, that came about, and they were just going to end up feeling like um, they were right or, you know, we're just not going to, uh, you know, acknowledge anything or take any responsibility. And once you're registered as that villain in public consciousness, like I said, it's really hard to go back on that because people love to hate the villain in the movies, you know, but when they come forward um, and they show their humanity, then they're showing their heroic side, the hero's journey in the movie uh, business or the storytelling component of what we do every day. And yes, they're probably, you know, using you in order to feel heroic themselves, but they need, you know, the people out there want you to play a villain. They want you to be wrong. They want to, you know, pound, uh, you know, on the keyboard or the text messages or the, the videos and say, did you see how bad that mess up was? I'm never going to shop there again or whatever that might be. And we see that every day, as you know, in these companies. They're just, um, they just want to, you know, find fault. And I think that's overall in society these days, isn't it? Where, you know, it's really hard to um, give somebody, you know, the chance to, you know, um, be forgiven about something that's wrong if they're not owning it. Because everybody makes their own, you know, conclusion as to what they think might have happened. And with social media and all the comments and everything, you know, spreading like wildfire, that's not good. So when you actually come out and say, you know what, I did something wrong, that this part is not true, but you know what, this part is true. And we think that we've got some work to do on it. No longer are you a villain. Now you might still be questionable, but you can come back from that, you know? And so I think that that family is a really good example. The Roy family, like they had their own drama going on and they didn't want anybody to come in and tell them what to do or how to handle it. And it bit them. You know, it really bit them. I mean, even when the father's death, you know, they didn't have a plan in place. They just, you know, stuck their head in the sand and got, you know, a lot of media flack and it ruined them. Well, speaking of the media, as you mentioned earlier, there were several scenes in the series when some of the characters uh, talked with reporters or in a couple instances held a press conference. What can you tell us about the role that media training should play for executives in the government and private sector for when they have to communicate about a crisis? Media training is critical. It really is. And people don't realize how badly they need it until they have a press conference or something that goes awry. And that's something that I really do enjoy doing um, because I'm hired. My team and I have been hired by um, companies to come in consistently. And what we do is we run, you know, for lack of better words, we grill people, you know, and as former investigative reporter, I know how to, you know, hit some hot spots on people and I know how to set them up to answer a question that I need them to answer and to maybe not have them see it coming. 
Um, so I know how to do that. And then when I'm able to push those pain points on executives or people who need it, um, I'm able to help them prepare and help them understand and feel more relaxed. Because if you sit down and you know, boy, I'm here because we're under investigation for X, Y, and Z, and you are not fully prepared, it's so easy, even if the words coming out of your mouth are okay, it's very easy for your body language to say something else. Think about how often we watch, you know, 60 minutes or whatever it might be, and we're watching the interview. And when that reporter uh, asks the question, and it's a tough one, is somebody like, you know, clamping up with their shoulders? Do they, you know, dart their eyes around? They, oh, well, I don't know. You know, they might answer it properly, but the uh, a mentor of mine, and when I was still in TV, had this saying, and he said, when the eye and the ear compete, the eye always wins. And it's true because think about how many times that you don't hear the words coming out of somebody's mouth that they're distracting you with maybe it's something they're wearing, but mostly because of their behavior. If their behavior or their mannerisms doesn't ma don't match up with what they're saying or want to say, that in itself um, makes somebody take away like, you know what? I don't believe that person. I don't feel that they're trustworthy. And so it, they got to practice that. They got to practice coming across strong and confident and you know, that's that's a big part of what we do. And, you know, it really does pay off what I always love. And I'm sure, you know, uh, doing some of this as well, you know, in the beginning of the day, what we do with the executives is, well, you know, I'll sit down and we've got a camera there and just like an interview uh, for TV. And I'll ask them the questions of just basic stuff and then maybe ask them one sensitive question. Then we say, OK, and then by the you know, we keep trying it through the day after we reframe and we learn how to do that reframing process of answers and how to you know, get your elevator pitch and your talking points down. Then at the end of the day, we compare the two and it's within you know, a half day session or a full day session, they're light years ahead. And so that is such a great investment because that you know, tool of one day or even a two day type of seminar could potentially save a company or a brand from going down in a crisis. A lot of the characters on HBO Succession had egos or sometimes incredibly large egos. What role does ego play in creating or responding to a crisis? Ego is so prominent and we see that in politics, of course, we see that, but in every area of life. And um, the ego itself is destructive because it allows you to believe your own story or believe your own truth. And the problem is, is that's not always the case. <laughs> and think about it. Like if I, um, if I have to have brain surgery, I'm not going to go to an accountant and ask them to cut a hole in my head. So you want to go to a specialist in an area and respect their expertise for what they do. If you're a, you know, a marketing person or a CEO of a corporation, but you've never been through a crisis before, you don't know what you're doing because you, it's, what is that saying? You don't know what you don't know. And it's really that, that case. So even though it may look like ego, maybe some cases it is, but it also could be that they're scared to acknowledge that they don't know everything and that makes them feel weak. But honestly, there's so much strength in standing up and saying, you know what? We're vulnerable just like everybody else. I'm human. There's strength in acknowledging the weakness that you know. I mean, the worst thing any corporation can do is try to have one person micromanage the whole organization, right? And so some of the, whether it's politics or corporations or brands, some of the most efficient companies um, that scale the fastest and do the best hire the right people to sit at the table, right? So you get an expert in that spot and you let them do their job. You trust them to do their job. 
But if you try to micromanage everybody who, you know, ultimately you don't know what they really do or have experience in it, that ego comes out and it can take you down. Based on your extensive experience in journalism and as a PR crisis management expert and consultant, can you provide some real life examples of other companies uh, that have gone through similar uh, situations as those on HBO Succession did? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, you know, I mentioned Southwest Airlines. That was a really good example of a company uh, in crisis and a lot of angry, angry uh, flyers, right? And when the holidays hit and your flights are canceled and they cancel flights for over a month, it's like, oh man, this isn't just a blip. This isn't just weather delay. This is a problem. But I thought that you know, the CEO did a quite remarkable job of coming forward and saying, we're going to, you know, we're going to handle this. Um, we're going to figure this out. We're going to understand what happened and we're going to come back to you with some answers. And I think it was really the only way it could have been handled, um, because if they would have hid more or any of that nature, it would have been even worse. Then we uh, remember a few years ago, Starbucks had an issue with potential uh, alleged racial inequality. And what they did is they came forward and acknowledged it, you know, and said, hey, we're going to figure this out. We're going to put our crew through training and um, we're going to own up to the fact that, you know, we have our, our issues, too. Did everybody go run into Starbucks the next day and say, gosh, I got to get in there and get my cup of coffee because they handled that PR crisis right? No, they did not. But they didn't abandon or boycott uh, Starbucks because of that issue. So um, they were able to recover because they acknowledged the issue. They said that they were trying to, you know, improve their own mechanisms and training within. And I think that that gives people trust. And you want to like somebody who admits that vulnerability and is honest. I think the biggest thing I can say is that every time we see a crisis that goes awry, it's usually because somebody, the corporation hid, said no comment, disappeared, didn't really acknowledge it. Or they came out and they lied. And then the truth comes out. And that's never fun either. We're almost out of time today, Christine. But before we go, what are the most important things you'd like people to remember from our conversation today? I think preparation is key. And that's in every area of life. But I want to also just emphasize with artificial intelligence in our you know, life right now and continuing to unfold in our companies and our organizations, it is giving all kinds of opportunities for problems. I mean, think about deep fakes. Um, we see, you know, stolen material, whether it's a book that's stolen, a video that's stolen, the ability to impersonate people with these new AI tools and be able to be robotic and show that you're one person and you're not. Um, I really stress that everybody needs to have a plan in place because you never know where it's gonna come from. But when you already have a problem in your hands, if you don't know how to handle it, time is ticking fast. And that includes dollar signs. You'll lose money fast. And so it's all about perception. But I also think it's very important to understand that you or your company have to remember that you need to be genuine. In this time of artificial intelligence where bots can sell you anything, text messages can come through, phone calls can sound like a real human, when you show up, as the real human, the genuine, passionate person behind yourself or your brand or your company and show and demonstrate the care and the concern that you have for what you do and the people that you serve, you're going to win all day long. And I really believe that because think about it. Who do we want to do business with? The people that we understand exactly how they can serve us and the people that we trust. 
And you can't get that from a robot. Thanks again for joining me today on Crisis Ahead. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. That's it for this edition of Crisis Ahead. My guest today was Christine Haas, CEO of Haas Media and a former award-winning journalist. Be sure to come back next week for more advice and insights on preparing for, managing, and recovering from a crisis. Or subscribe to Crisis Ahead wherever you get podcasts. Each week, I interview government officials, corporate executives, and experts who share their advice and insights about a variety of crisis management and crisis communication topics. My guests on upcoming shows will discuss how different leadership styles can affect the way organizations respond to a crisis, why and how to document a crisis, and who should be in the Crisis Management Hall of Fame and Hall of Shame. Remember, it's not a matter of if a crisis will hit your organization or company, it's when. And the sooner you are prepared for it, the better. Produced by HeartCast Media.